This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time to be taken on a journey on the DJ Mac Travel Show, only on Plains FM. Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. We're sort of going to break the show into two pieces if we can and the first part is going to be about the general election which is actually on the 17th of October which is a Saturday of um, 2020 and so obviously we've been bombarded, well not bombarded but a lot of um, campaigning is happening at the moment and so I thought we would just talk briefly about what we would do in the event of us not being around, if we're not in our own electorate as such. So do we do a special vote? Can we vote now? So the answers to these questions, I guess. So basically, the Saturday just being, the 3rd of October, um, is when electoral offices or polling booths have opened in New Zealand for you to cast a special vote. And the reason for doing this um, maybe is that you're not going to be around or um, you're not, not going to be in Christchurch or where you happen to be um, based at the time and so, or where you're actually listed on the electoral roll, for example, and that, that's an important part as well. Um, or you've made your decision and that you've actually decided who you're going to vote for. So Saturday the 3rd um, of October is when the special votes or pre-election um, voting has started. And so how's the best way or what's the best way to do things or, and, and where have I got my information from? So the sort of um, electoral role commission or electoral commission has a website which has the orange man on him on, on that site as well and that's vote.nz and go onto that site and you'll be able to find out a lot of information and some of the information and that's where I got my information from so let's have a, a little bit more closer look at it. So the site is broken up into three categories as well. You can change the site into, it, it comes up as English obviously, you can change it into Maori if you would like to um, work the site in Maori language and it also comes up in New Zealand Sign Language which is quite interesting as well. So it, it, basically uh, there are videos there um, and, and it works really, really well. So obviously the election is on the 17th of October which is a Saturday but maybe you're not going to be around um, that day and so you chose to make a special vote and so that can be done. So what I did with looking at what was to be done was I went onto the website and I found out where the special votes can be cast um, or pre-election votes can be be done. And so the I live in the Islam district, I live up in Avonhead, so Islam is my electoral um, category or area where I'm on the electoral roll. And so there is 
at the University of Canterbury on Monday the 5th, Monday the 12th and Friday the 16th are the three days that I can choose to vote in my um, in that area um, by putting a special vote. There are two sites as well at Canterbury University um, and it's just a matter of going on to the website and finding out where you can go. And obviously if you live in other parts of Christchurch, then you just got to put in finding a voting place on the map. And that's basically just search your way through the website and you'll be able to get an idea of um, how it all basically works. And that that was how I was able to find where I was meant to go um, to do my special vote. Okay, being on the electoral roll. So obviously if you are planning on voting, it is a good idea to be on the electoral roll, which then puts you in your electorate. And so you can do this also online, and um, there are two ways you can uh, enrol online or um, check online. So you can check that the details are correct and that you are actually on the electoral roll. So it's quite an interesting website to um, navigate around and through. Making a special vote. Now, this is in the relationship if that you are out of your district. So you, for some reason, you have ended up going to Greymouth or the West Coast or you're in Nelson or something like that, then you can you can still vote. You just go into a normal polling booth, state that you are not from your local area, have some form of ID, and then you'll create a special vote. Um, just be aware that it is illegal to vote twice, so you can't go and vote in Christchurch and then head somewhere else and then conduct a special vote. So just be aware of that. So important um, situations there. What I do suggest that if if you are planning on travelling, then definitely vote um, next week um, and find out where your electoral or your voting booth would be and and get the job done. And otherwise, it's um, up to you on Saturday the 17th of October. So yeah, that's part of the, just a little bit of general information. Basically, the website is vote.nz and you can find out a lot of information there just by navigating your way around the um, website itself. Okay, let's, um, so that's basically a little bit about that. If you were travelling around, um, let's actually move into travelling around. And so, um, yeah, we'll move into that next. So today's next part of the show is the best of the best. And one of the things that sort of, you know, if you're in the travel business and you're used to traveling overseas, uh, you sort of get a little bit of, well, I must admit, a little bit of withdrawal symptoms of being traveling and what you are actually doing. And that that common smell of aviation fuel sort of sets you off and we're, we're off somewhere different. And so... How do we change? Obviously, we're going to have to change our tactics a little bit as we go forward. Um, and it appears that, like we've said on the show before, that New Zealand as a, a travelling nation of, of people and also as a host of people coming into New Zealand, we're not expecting anyone maybe from September of 2021, which is well and truly, you know, as a year away. And so what are we going to do? And so... 
I've sort of compiled a list of the best of the best, and I've also been thinking, do we start travelling like we're an international traveller? So instead of saying that well, we are New Zealanders and when we live in this country, which is a great place to live, um, but it's all on our back doorstep, and people travel all around the world, you know, over 18-hour flights sometimes to get here um, with just travel journeys and, and what we take for granted. And so to see what we take for granted, I guess. And so do we actually now start thinking more like an international traveller and start thinking about maybe New Zealand as a different part? Not so much, oh, we went there as a school camp, or we've done this before, or, oh, yeah, no, I never really liked that when my parents took us there. And so do we actually now look at it at a different angle and as an angle of an international traveller. And so those were some of the things that I have thought about, but I've also tried to put a list together of, by reading other people's travel information and, and magazines about New Zealand and so forth and brought up a, a list of things that we would think um, maybe might be a bit mundane, but in actual fact are... Um, sort of unique to New Zealand and then we take for granted. So the the best of the best. So parts of the, we're going to cover the North and the South Island and sort of basically starting with the Catlins, which is uh, the southeast corner of the South Island, which basically from about Waihola um, south of uh, Dunedin is sort of where you can begin your, your journey into the Catlins and then you can follow your way around to Nugget Point and all the way down into the Catlins itself, which is a pretty wild and um, sort of untamed um, landscape. And over uh, over the recent weeks with the amount of weather that's been in the South Island, um, there are some very interesting photos that have popped up on social media of windswept beaches with lots of snow on them and just a, a very different environment. So basically a journey from Waihola in that area down from um, Melton right round through the Catlins coming out in down by um, Bluff, or not Bluff, T.Y. Point, in that area around the lower part of um, Invercargill and Southland. And and within itself, um, Invercargill has a lot to offer, not just uh, for the environment of how it is all situated and how it's placed, but even just the history of Bluff, um, finding out about how important that um, port facility has been for New Zealand in the past for like some of the first refrigerated ships uh, taking New Zealand frozen goods such as lamb and, and beef to the UK um, was the centre point was in Bluff and and you can still see the remnants of that in, in industry as you travel around that area and also of course you've got to uh, stand at the sign at the bottom of Bluff which is the, you know, the, the beginning of State Highway 1 from the south heading north as such, um, and also crossing the strait into uh, Stewart Island um, is a place that a lot of people have not visited, um, New Zealanders definitely, and it is a unique environment that many people um, sort of arrive there from my experience and, and realise that they haven't allowed themselves enough time and wish they were there longer. So they're in quite in unique areas. Also, Southland's um, regional capital is such of uh, Invercargill 
is an um, interesting place because in some ways it's sort of locked in time, a little bit like Dunedin is a little bit locked in time with the architecture of, of the buildings that are there. Um, basically, be that the development of, of um, high-rise buildings or redevelopment of um blocks or buildings in the area have not happened. It's all happened in Auckland and Hamilton and in the upper North Island. And so these places are locked, are locked are sort of in a position of a, um, they've managed to keep a, a lot of their heritage buildings. Invercargill has an interesting Main Street walk. Um, it has obviously the normal high street um, shops, but it also has some very interesting local community-based Southland businesses that are um, that make the, the, the high street relatively unique. And of course, it has antique shops and all sorts of stuff to sort of tinker around with. And you can spend a good morning or afternoon um, just doing a little window shopping. Right. Um, next one is moving on from Invercargill, we can talk sort of jumping north now as we can start talking about the Desert Road and also the Coromandel. And these are interesting places within themselves because how often have we been on a mission just to get from A to B as quickly as possible and the Desert Road um, sort of makes it out to be, oh, well, we just let's get past this point. But in actual fact, you know, do we spend time there? Have we actually driven around the mountain as such? So from... Wairuru right up to Turingi, across to National Park, back down to uh, Radahi and then across, um, you know, and even maybe even doing the Parapara, sorry, which is right down, follows the Whanganui River all the way down into Whanganui. You've got other interesting parts of New Zealand there with marten and bulls, which have a lot of history um, surrounded with them, with railroads um, and also the farming communities in that area. But basically back to the Desert Road, you have the military base, um, the army base at Wairuru, um, which has relatively become a little bit smaller because uh, the base has a lot of the activities have been moved from there down here actually to Christchurch to um, Burnham which is um, quite interesting um, but has also benefited the Canterbury area but the desert road and the whole area is quite interesting to explore if you have time. I would say maybe a day, um, even maybe a day and a half um, depending on what you've got planned or where you're sort of heading to. But the Waruru um, Military Army Museum, um, obviously in Waruru, is definitely worth a stop. Um, even just a half a day or just enough for a bit of a break, a stretch of the legs, and just have a wander around and, and, and check out the place itself. Obviously, the next stop is further north than Taupo and right up into the Coromandel, which is basically could be described as an area of, of New Zealand, which is basically around where the wealthy go to play, and that, that is um, Aucklanders or other people who or within, shouldn't really just say Aucklanders, but people that have the ability to have a, a second home or a, a batch in this area. And, you know, it's not the not the 20 or 30 or maybe $100,000 batch. We're talking million-dollar properties up here. But the Coromandel has a lot of to offer. Um, and once again, back to thinking like an international traveller. So, um, you know, sort of a bit of freedom camping or maybe just a bit of... Um, 
sort of hopping from one town to another if you've got the ability in a camper van. But even if you're choosing to use motels or hotels, the Coromandel has a lot to offer if you want to get out into the wilderness or even into kayaking or swimming or any type of activity which doesn't require you to own a million dollar um, beach property. Um, but it is definitely... Um, interesting um, place. To, it's got a diverse amount. You've got from backpackers to very, very high-end um, hotels and motels to um, choose from. But is somewhat forgotten a little bit by us here in the South Island, I believe. I think we should be spending, uh, looking at more sort of activities in that type of area if we can get ourselves there. Right, back to the South Island. And something that I have sort of read before, but it's somewhat forgotten about, and it is the secret airfield of Mid-Canterbury. And I'm not sure if many people actually know much about this, and if those people that do know much about it, well, hopefully I'll get the information correct. And those people that um, may be wanting to go and search for it, um, it might be a little bit difficult. The remains of it are no longer there. But it is basically a airfield that was... Um, built in the early stages of um, World War II. In the dark hours of the very early stages of the Pacific War, a massive airfield was constructed in the centre of the South Island. It was built under great secrecy. By working around the clock, it was completed with great speed. The site is near Horata. Um, this was chosen because of, it was not within range of um, any Navy um, bombardment and also um, reconnaissance as well. So uh, you'd have to have a, a, a warship of some sort off the coast of New Zealand and then a floater plane to sort of go and search for such a, an airfield. Um, and it was basically set up for uh, a squadron of B-17 flying fortresses. So quite interesting with the situation within World War II is that basically the British and the Americans developed long-range bombers and yet the Japanese and the Germans did not do this. They they made more short-field, um, more short-range bombers. And so therefore the situation was is that this airfield would have had the capabilities of striking a, a Japanese invasion force, which was in the early stages of World War II and with the advancement of the Japanese in the Pacific, New Zealand at one stage was under threat from invasion from the Japanese. And so this airfield would have been somewhat... Um, a surprise to the invader because they would not have known it was here and a group of long-range bombers would have been able to strike an invasion force, say, that was maybe coming in from the... Um, into Northland or into Auckland Harbour or so. And so they would have been surprised as to where they had come from. The remains of this airfield, with a little bit of searching, should be able to be found. And um, it's just a matter of, if you've got a day, of, of heading out towards Dunsandal and Harata. Now, the place it is actually, so it was built in a hurry at a time when aerodromes to accommodate the world's largest aeroplanes was needed in New Zealand as the last line of defence against the Japanese, the flying field at Tipperita, which is between Dunsandal and Harata. 
it's basically um, was originally taken under emergency powers and had had three runways. Um, each runway was 7,000 feet long and approximately 200 feet wide with 100 feet of level ground on each side um, of stables uh, of the strip itself. And it was, um, but is now basically covered in fences and is sheep um, grazing areas. So it was a, quite a big facility. And um, I would suggest that if you're interested in sort of doing a bit of a search on a, a weekend, um, I would pop out to, to that area of Tipurita, and, um, which is, um, I think, would be well uh, an interesting um, sort of an excursion for the day. Okay, so moving on to the best of the best. So the next one is back back to the North Island and it is uh, travelling um, up the far, to the far north. And so there are two ways of doing this. You can travel up the east coast, um, such as through to Paihere and um, up into Kerikeri and all the way up to, right up to the top of um, Cape Reinga. And then basically, depending on how, um, adventurous you are um, and, and depending on your insurance agreement with if you've decided to hire a car or if you are not too worried about the the, uh, the damage that could be caused to your car um, long term maybe is is to drive uh, down 90 mile beach and um, discover a different part of New Zealand which is very very very, very beautiful. Once again, a bit of a, a rich man's playground, depending on how much money you want to spend on accommodation. But there is loads of different varieties of budgets accommodated within the far north. Um, places like Whangarei, uh, interesting little places to look into. Again, interesting high streets to walk, um, beautiful marina and, and coastal areas all the way along there. And depending on how you're travelling, so if you're travelling in a caravan, there are heaps of opportunities there. Um, for stopovers and camping grounds and all sorts of different um, types of accommodation as well uh, are available. And it, it's, it's, once again, it's a place that seems a very, very long way away from here here in the Coromandel. But if we're thinking about travelling like an international traveller, then it's the place to go because that's where a lot of people search out from um, once they're finished in Auckland. And that leads us to Auckland. So why would we want to go to Auckland? And is it the place that we really want to visit? Well, Auckland is the largest Polynesian city in the world. It has built itself around an idea of a metropolitan centre. It's basically could be described as a second cousin or a, a younger brother of um, Sydney and it has a lot to offer. Um, I have lived in um, Auckland before and one of the best times to be in Auckland is actually during Christmas and New Year. So if you have the ability to travel to Auckland within those periods, within the, the January month, um, it's the best place to be. A lot of the businesses are obviously all open, but a lot of the regular people that would normally be living in Auckland have all gone to their holiday homes in the Coromandel or up north, or they're travelling around New Zealand like you are as well. And so Auckland is um, 
not the traffic is not so bad in January. The it's not so busy, but there is absolutely heaps to do from places such as going shopping in Newmarket, a, a gentle sort of walk from the top of um, Queen Street all the way down to the waterfront, um, the museums. So you've got the Maritime Museum at the bottom of the waterfront and um, off Queen Street. Um, you also have the War Museum and the Auckland Museum based in the Domain, which is over by Parnell. That's another well worth a, a visit place to go. And it also has great views of the city and also of Rangitoto and the harbour itself. You've also got Devonport and you've also got Waiheke Island and also a large chunk of the Hauraki Gulf is available to you. If you don't have a boat, you can travel on um, the ferry services that are available to get you from different parts of the city. Um, Travelling around Auckland, relatively breezy, I guess, in January because uh, the you know we've got the most of New Zealand doesn't really get started until the twentieth of of January. So, and a lot of New Aucklanders don't sort of return back to work until after Auckland anniversary weekend. So, if you're planning a trip to the Auckland area, I reckon, it, and the weather is the best time as well is in the January period. Um, and it's, yeah, there's heaps to do there, and there's an array of types of different accommodation from budget right up to five star, and it and yeah, there's there's plenty to do, plenty to eat, plenty to experience, and um, yeah, it's it's is not as bad as maybe the traffic is led us to believe. The last of the best of the best is basically based here in Christchurch and it's it, it starts in Christchurch but it takes us up the east coast. And so what I've always enjoyed doing and we've done this with our tour groups before and we will be doing it again is Christchurch to pick to Picton on the coastal Pacific. This is run by Trans um, New Zealand Rail or Kiwi Rail itself, and it runs from Christchurch to Picton, and it basically travels up in the during the middle of the day. Um, it's a great um, railway journey, and uh, you arrive in Picton around about twelve o'clock. But you do take in all of that. Um, I know you can drive it as well, but uh, you do by seeing it by train, you see a, a lot more of the countryside and a lot more areas that you normally don't see from the road as well and also the viewing of the coast as you, you travel through from Kaikoura north through to Picton is one of the best railroad journeys in the world. The next stage is the following day you travel from Picton to Wellington on either Bluebridge or Inter-Islander, whichever one you prefer. And again, this travelling, this journey through this um, the Marlborough Sounds and the entire um, Cook Strait is marked as one of the best um, ferry journeys in the world. It is cruise ships go into the Marlborough Sounds. And so you're seeing the same sort of thing as an international traveller would see on a cruise ship. Once in Wellington, well, you basically, if you're with Brewbridge or Inter-Islander, you are within walking distance of many of the best hotels, five-star hotels in New Zealand, if not within the world, and you're within walking distance of most of the activities within Wellington. So, for example, um, Te Papa, um, Cuba Street, 
um, Lambton Quay, um, if you just want to look around architecture of um, buildings within the Wellington area, if you even the Wellington Railway Station is um, well worth just a, a wander through, just to have a look. Um, if you have time, the railroad journey from Wellington to Masterton um, on the wire wrapper line is well and truly worth a visit. Um, the small quaint town of Greytown within the wire wrapper is um, is excellent little place just to, for a day trip um, and then or even over to Martinborough for a, a, a bit of a wine excursion as well. Um, all accessible by public transport um, and you don't actually need to be hiring a car to do anything within that area. Um, Wellington has as a self, the entire area has a lot to offer um, and public transport is the best, within the best within New Zealand. Um, and then basically it's to Wellington, to Christchurch and so the idea is you fly home. Um, obviously there are a number of airlines to choose from, maybe only two, which is Air New Zealand and Jetstar. Um, Sounds Air does offer a number of services but they'll probably just return you back to Blenheim or basically and back into Picton. But then you could possibly return home on the coastal Pacific if that's what you wished. But that is definitely a good journey. Christchurch to Wellington via the train, Picton Ferry and home by flying. So, there it is, a bit of a best of the best, sort of start thinking about how can I travel around New Zealand and do things that maybe I haven't done before, do a little bit of research, find out some things such as like the secret airfield out there between Dunsandal and Harata, or just maybe look at some parts of the North Island that you haven't haven't really found out much about or have heard a little bit about but would like to do a little bit of exploring. So, um... Obviously, with daylight saving now starting, we've um, got longer days, and so it's um, yeah, more opportunities are available for us to get out and about and see New Zealand. So there we go. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time, and have a good week. Thank you. If you like today's show and would like to hear it again, please go to plainsfm.org.nz and download the podcast by searching the DJ Mac Travel Show. If you would like more information and would like to talk to someone, maybe myself, then please call us on 0800 196633 and that's at Identity Tours here in Christchurch. Thank you and have a good week.